Welcome back. Today, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Lila Jean-Francois, also known by her artist name, Silent St. J. In this episode, we cover inspiration, lack of motivation, what happens when you hit a slump, and whether or not humans can relate to AI. If you've ever had trouble processing your emotions, been scared to embrace them, or just love listening to music that'll get you right in the feels, you're going to love this episode. Speaking of getting punched in the feels, we're going to wrap this episode up with a brand new untitled track by Lila. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Creative Conversations. Today I am talking to Lila, who goes by Silent Saint J is her artist name. Uh, at the end of this episode, we will get to hear some of her music, so stay tuned for that. And now let's get talking about creative things. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, for those listening, I got to listen to Lila's music when my friend threw a little private show for his 30th birthday. And we got kind of blessed with this super magical, surreal moment where the show was in a penthouse building and it was snowing behind us. Yeah. I guess you were probably facing the crowd, so you didn't see the snow as I much. I did not see the snow <laughs> until I left the building. But um, yeah, it was a really, like, really magical show. I think for like everyone in that room. Yeah. And um, his mom just had the perfect lighting. Like, yeah. it was super ambient and it was, pretty. Yeah, it was just like. Very surreal, cause like, I don't know. As a music musician, I I play like, you know, your standard venue, and then to have like that little like pocket, like this. It's not weird, but like this very beautiful space of someone's home, and like I don't know. There's something very intimate about that. Well, very obviously. much so, I guess. Like, yeah, because like you're used to playing in like restaurants or yeah, like, exactly. clubs, bars, kind of thing, right? Oh, it's never a, a club. I would. I mean, well, I guess I your get, music yeah. isn't <laughs> really club style music, yeah. but. Um. But yeah, it was. It was really beautiful. It was really beautiful, and like, yeah, the snow behind. I didn't get to see much of it, but like, it was a very cold evening. But like, the space was warm. The people were warm. And I guess the music was warm as well. Also, there was this like stacked raspberry cake dessert thing that his oh. mom made that was just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> the foods were great as well. I was lucky enough to have some. <laughs> uh, so that night you had told me that you were working on an album and you've recently finished it, right? So yeah. can you tell us what the name of your album is and tell us a little bit about it? So... Um... I've been working on this album for, I think, about two years now. It actually, it started off as, like, me recording a single. And then <clears throat> I got a lucky opportunity to be able to record a full album. Did you already have the songs for the whole album written? Um, yes and no. I think it was, like, accidentally, I had, I had like, a, a like a pocket of songs like this these um, these songs that I'd be singing at my shows and whatnot um but I hadn't like really put them together and I when I wanted to make an album and like in my head I wasn't sure what like what that would consist of um until I had this opportunity to create a full album and um the album itself is called Alexithymia 
which one of the tracks on the album is called Alexithymia as well. That's the Alexithymia. title. Alexithymia. What yeah. is that? Um, have you heard of it before? No. no. Cool, cool. <clears throat> I usually when I um, play this song at shows and whatnot, I ask people before I play it, I'm like, have you heard of the word Alexithymia? I feel but, like I remember you mentioning Did you did play I? that song? I think at I might Vans? have. I might have. Played I feel that like song. I remember you mentioning that word, but I can't for the life of me think of what that word means. Well, Alexithymia is a word meaning the inability to process or identify your emotions. Okay, now I, yeah, because we talked about emotions as inspiration. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, okay. And, um, yeah, it's funny because, like, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know there was a name for something like that. It was named after a very cold Alexa. <laughs> yeah, someone <laughs> broke someone's heart, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I, I found out about this word and I was like, that's a thing. That's a thing I do. And um, it's funny because, like, I wrote this song called Alexithymia, and the album kind of came after the song, but uh, the song was, like, very much based on um, my wanting to feel things. Not that I can't feel things, but I feel like there's a lot of, um, at least for me, I feel like I don't let myself feel things often. And, that's true for a lot of people. Right? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of stigma uh, towards feeling any anything other than happy. I think everyone's just like, yes. oh, you're angry or you're sad. Don't do that. And I don't think that's what we should be doing No, it's human. super unhealthy. Yeah. Repressing anything, like any time a human being represses their emotions, history has shown us that that is a very bad thing. Exactly, right? And, yeah, I just kind of wrote this song about, like, being able to feel my feelings and wanting to feel my feelings. And um, then after when I was putting, like, or trying to figure out what songs to put in this album, I realized all these songs that I've written are very much about how I want to feel things. Or, like, they're very introspective of how I, I'm feeling and so it's one of the only ways you can express your emotions. Exactly. Um, it's funny because like I don't I don't write a lot of like love songs. I don't think I've I think I have like one love song that I've ever written. Actually, is it actually for a person or is it like no, for yourself? It's not even like a lot of the love songs or songs about love that I've I've written probably honestly three love songs and Two of those I wrote because I had to. <laughs> Not because I had to, but, like, it was kind of like... The label optioned it. I didn't yeah. have a choice. <laughs> exactly. didn't have a choice. They forced me. Um, wrote it in the tour bus in two hours. <laughs> um, no, but it was, like, just kind of like a like a project that I, like... Um, I was given a project to write a love song, and I was like, sure, I guess so. Okay. It's like a writing exercise. Yeah, exactly. And... I remember like when I first started writing songs and first started sharing songs that that song that was it was a song that I like people loved that song when I would play it and stuff. And I, I always I didn't hate the song. I'm not going to say that I hate it, but it was never something that really resonated with me. Um, But any like the closest thing that I have to a love song now, uh, which I wrote actually the. The closest thing that I have to a love song, 
I wrote probably a year ago, and I think it was the last song I wrote. Oh. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, I'm thinking back on the song, and I've been thinking about that song for, like, a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I wrote this song as, like, this love song, but if you, like, listen to the lyrics, it's very much... It's, like, actually about your love of Cheetos? (laughs) (laughs) It's actually about... The love of chicken wings that I have. Chicken wings. Oh, oh man. Okay. <laughs> I need to listen to that song. I. You'll get a hundred plays of it from me tonight. Sweet. <laughs> um, it's not out. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but you're lost, I guess. Yeah, I know, man. Uh, but like, it's it's funny because like, I thought it was kind of like this song that I wrote externally, like as my feelings, um, like how I. I don't know how to how to like put it, but I felt like it was when I wrote the song, it was very an external like giving kind of song. Okay. But now that I think about it, I'm like I think I just wrote another song about myself. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't mean to, but like I think it was like like one of those songs where I was like it's funny because I thought when I wrote the song, I was like, I think this is a song, like the first time I've written a song about that's not about myself and for someone else. But then I realized really quickly, I was like, oh no, this is just another, this is just another song about how I feel <laughs> and like how I feel about myself. I don't know. I feel like I'm a selfish musician or something like that. I think that's like... You need to have pieces of yourself in your music, and I think most musicians, like, especially in the last couple years as I've been going through a journey of, like, self-discovery and Mm self-love, I've started to hear a lot of love songs as being more of, like, a musician singing to themselves than singing to another person. interesting. And, like, I don't know if that's just my brain doing it or if, like, more people do that kind of thing than I originally kind of thought or whatnot, but... I've also noticed, like, love songs written to... There's one which is either about a guy's car or his cat. I've attributed it to my cat because, (laughs) literally, I was on the deck last summer and I was listening to this album by Revolution. And they're kind of like a a reggaeton band, I guess. And uh, the lyric was, Today is going to be a good day. Uh, No other beauty can purr like her. And right as he was saying, no other beauty can purr like her, my cat walked out onto the deck and brushed up against my leg. And I was like, this song is definitely about a cat. <laughs> You're like, I, I, I got it. I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if that's, maybe that's true. Like maybe. I need to ask more musicians that I talk to. I should ask more musicians. I should we ask. We should both. Yeah. Because yeah. we interact with musicians. Exactly. <laughs> um. But yeah, I feel like maybe, yeah, maybe more love songs are about like people loving themselves rather than others. Actually, maybe it's like in order to love someone else, you have to love yourself. I mean, that is a very serious and true thing. Yes, that's what people say. (laughs) (laughs) What people say. So you haven't gotten there yet is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Uh, I will will admit I haven't figured that one out yet. But, um, so I've heard. <laughs> Maybe it'll be the, the theme of your next album. Maybe. I will go from um, trying to figure out my feelings to, it just seems like more more of myself. <laughs> it's just me, more of me talking about myself, which I mean, I, 
in some nice. ways, I think there's a refreshing honesty to that because people can only ever experience the world from their perspective. So if you're trying to sing about how other people should think or feel, then there's maybe a little bit of like, who are you to say how I should think or feel? That's Whereas true. like, if you're just conveying like, this is how I feel, this is how these things made me feel. Other people can hear the those words and think like, that's also how I feel about these things. And yeah. that's, that's where the connection comes. I feel like that happens a lot with my music is often people are like, whoa, like specifically. For how did like, you know exactly how I felt? Yeah, <laughs> like that that happens often. Where And then I'm very shocked by it, too. I'm like, whoa, other humans. But also I'm very much an introvert. So like my human connection um, is very limited. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it. I think my music tends to, um, yeah, it tends to like bring in or uh, like attract a certain demographic of people who like end up feeling the same way that I feel which are the introverts introverts yeah <laughs> yeah I'm like oh my god there's other introverts and I'm like of course there are other introverts so many other introverts you yeah. just don't see them because they're, they're at all home. inside yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very much so I tend to switch between introverted and extroverted between winter months and summer months Really? Like I'm like right on that line and then when it gets dark out at four o'clock, like seasonal affective okay. hits me hard and I just like I become introverted for the winter. I think I think that's also probably a lot of people. Feel like that's a lot of people, but like I don't know, I was talking oh my gosh, sorry, this just randomly came into my head. Um uh oh my gosh, it randomly left. But <laughs> Yes, so the like the idea of people being introverted and extroverted. Um, okay, it actually came back. Okay, so um, my cousin posted on her Instagram this um, story about hamsters. I don't know. Have you heard about hamsters? Have you heard about hamsters? I, I mean, <laughs> okay. as much as anyone has heard about hamsters. I used to watch Hamtaro when I okay. was a kid. Okay, so this is the thing they left out of Hamtaro, okay? Okay. Um, so did you know that hamsters actually hibernate? No, I didn't. Okay, so a lot of people did not know that. Okay. But, um, during the winter months, hamsters tend to, um, hibernate, which means, like, physi physiologically, they'll, like, um, kind of go into this deep sleep, so they'll, like, lower their heart rate. Power-saving mode. They're literally in power-saving mode. Um, and from like an outsider's perspective, aka your mom or your dad or like the child, um, the hamster will look dead. Are you telling me that there are a lot of people that have accidentally thrown out a perfectly alive hibernating hamster? Yeah. Aww, yeah. So, that's so sad. Yeah, there was a podcast uh, that was talking about this hamster thing and the idea of like people having thrown away their hamsters. Check the best before dates before you throw it out. Yeah, but, like, and this happens in the winter months, so, like, this this podcast, they were, like, going off, and they were like, oh, my gosh, my hamster died around winter, too. But it was just hibernating. Died around winter because you threw it in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, or they, like, buried this hamster alive or something like oh, that. Oh, this poor hamster. Yeah, I know. Isn't that so sad? Oh, my God. I'm going to round this out. Okay, <laughs> bring this back. So there's a point. Um, so my cousin, like, shared that on her, her Instagram. And she brought up this point of, like, as a human, 
um, and in the winter months, cow, um, she goes into her own like hibernation mode. And uh, I really like resonated with, with what she said, but she, she was like, I hope that people wouldn't discard of me because I'm in my own hibernation mode. And I was like, whoa, that's very like, like, I don't know, that just resonated with me because like as an introvert, I'm like very much in hibernation I mean, mode. It hits pretty powerfully because there's a lot of people. I actually, last year I read an article too about the importance of like wintering as a person and how a lot of society's pressure to like keep hustling through the winter is yeah. extremely detrimental to mental health because people are just naturally not supposed to like do as much in the winter. Yeah. And like, I feel like, yeah, definitely during the winter and especially like, me, I'm already very much introverted and very much I keep to myself. Um, but I feel like I hope people like my friends and like the people that I have around me um, wouldn't just kind of like discard of me or like like forget about me just because I'm in my own personal hibernation mode um, in the winter months like I'm introverting extra hard right now <laughs> and I hope they wouldn't like be like oh well she's not my friend anymore that's too bad and then like I've lost all my friends I'm this is me like over the, what goes on in <laughs> yeah, your head exactly. I mean I, I I resonate with that because I've had similar things run through my head too and like I feel like a lot of people have probably had that experience right especially yeah. as we get older people get busier with partners yeah. with family with like the older you get the more a lot of people start to recognize like they didn't enjoy spending time with their family when they were younger but now they want to have dinner with their family every weekend yeah. kind of thing right and like if they're having dinner with their family every weekend that's one less day in the week for them to hang out with their friends yeah. and then they're also working seven days a week or five days a week probably not seven days a week but <laughs> some of them some are of them one are. of my best friends has been working like pretty much since july like six to seven days a week and i have hardly seen him since oh man that's a lot of work that's it is whoa None of our other friends have really seen him either. So it's basically just his girlfriend and his cat that know he's alive. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. Well, I hope you're checking in on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we texted a little bit yesterday. Okay. There you uh, go. But Yeah, he's he's been super busy. He looks exhausted. He needs to hibernate for a little bit. <laughs> he needs a forced hibernation, maybe? Yeah. But he is, he's one of those people that's naturally an extrovert all the time. So he's oh, like okay. high energy, go, go, go. Okay. And if he's not, then you know he's definitely overworked because okay. like dude is usually the life of the party. Okay. Okay. I I could never. <laughs> yeah, no, I honestly, I think a lot of my energy in our last 10 years has come from him. Like when we go do stuff, I definitely <laughs> siphon some of it off. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you like mirror or like you kind of match? when you hang out with this person, do you tend to like you're matching or you're attempting to match their energy? Very much so. I like, I wouldn't really say it's attempting, but I do consider myself an incredibly empathic person. So okay. I will mirror emotions of the people around me if okay. I'm around them for an extended period of time. Yeah. Um, which can be super detrimental in unhealthy relationships because then you just yeah. end up in a downward spiral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to, I, I use the word attempt because I very much attempt to do so. 
and like I'll try to match and it doesn't matter who I interact with like anyone I will interact with I'm going to like like camouflage into what you're what energy they're giving off so um, are you currently camouflaging as my energy? I don't know. I was just trying to figure it out. I was like, because you seem more energetic here? than me. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. Um, what's the word? I don't know the word. <laughs> I don't know. I, Describe it. What What is the process you're thinking of? Maybe I'm like overdoing it. I don't know why <laughs> this. Is, I, maybe I'm a tiger. <laughs> tiger blood. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh wait, maybe peacocking is not the peacocking. word. But like, it did come to my mind, like somewhere between peacocking and overcompensating. And tiger, yeah, and, no. yeah. <laughs> yes, overcompensating. That was the tigers. word. <laughs> okay, somewhere between peacocks and tigers is overcompensation. Yeah, <laughs> we started that. Out. There you go. Um, or maybe it's because I didn't have breakfast. <laughs> maybe it might be that. <laughs> do you need caffeine usually to get you started in the day? Do you oh, start no. with coffee? No. I can't drink coffee. Does it make you super hyper, jittery? Uh, it does its job. It's just my body doesn't like the way it does its job. Mm. So, like, I'll drink caffeine. It's not even caffeine. It's just coffee. Um, But I'll get, like, the shakes. Oh, wait. It starts off with a headache, the shakes, and then I throw up. <laughs> Yeah, your body really doesn't like coffee. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like it at all, which like really aggravates me because I really like coffee flavored things. So the like the smell and the scent of it. Like when I was in high school, I used to work at Extra Foods, and whenever someone would spill coffee in the bulk section, I would like if I was like, taking I'll... groceries back, I would like accidentally, not accidentally, drive the cart over the beans on the ground to crush them up and make the aisle smell nice. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll I'll clean that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love, like, the the flavor of coffee. And, like, I love tiramisu. Mm, good tiramisu is really good. good but it, yeah, it's good tiramisu. It's hard to make well. Oh, I can't make it. I, I, I mean, most restaurants can't either. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love tiramisu. But also, because there's coffee in it. Often I will get that same reaction, mm. but like, oh, that's unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. It's worth it though. And it must be super confusing for your body to be like, oh, this is so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts so good. Yeah. There's a song for you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's my song inspiration. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I can't do coffee, but I can do caffeine. Okay. Interesting. So, so like, do you have the same reaction if you drink like Coca Cola? Does Coke have caffeine in it? Coke has a ton of caffeine in it. I don't drink Coke. I, I really... I mean, your body thanks you for that. Yeah. <laughs> my, I don't like the taste of Coke or Pepsi or, like... Me either. Colas. Yeah. Cola Honestly, drinks. I don't understand... Uh, so I was in Mexico this summer, and it's, like, the number one drink of choice in Mexico for Coke? some reason. Yeah. Like, everyone's drinking Coke all the time. Wait, Coke or Pepsi? Or is it, like... Specifically Coke. It's, Coke okay, is more okay, common yeah. than Pepsi. Okay. Um, and, like... It was just, it was everywhere. It was mind-blowing. It was almost kind of like smoking in like the mid-2000s here, how like so many people smoked <laughs> yeah. everywhere, but then like now it's frowned upon and not very many people do it. And it, it was kind of like that experience. I mean, they also smoked a yeah, lot yeah. down there, but like that's still like smoking. So it's... <laughs> yeah, smoke, smoking's kind of just like smoking. 
<laughs> that does track, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Coke just has not a not a Coke fan. I don't like the taste of it. It's weird. Neither. It. Yeah, I can't even describe what I don't like about the taste. I, it's yeah, just, no, it's just like it doesn't feel like it's something I should be putting into my body. Yeah, I don't. I can't even. I haven't had Coke in a very long time, so I can't even recall the flavoring of it. I just know my I, my taste buds don't it's like black it. tar, basically. Yeah, <laughs> like if it's like black licorice adjacent. It's not black licorice because that's a very pronounced and distinct flavor. Yeah, but it kind of I feel like they're family members, but like distant. They're like distant cousins. Distant cousins. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that could explain why one is a solid and one is a liquid. Yeah. Very distant. Very distant. <laughs> they haven't seen each other in years. <laughs> uh, so if all of your songs are basically about you confronting your emotions, it, like, does other inspiration play into them, or do you need to get into a very emotional state to, to have inspiration for a new song? Um... Well, it's been a year since I've written anything. <laughs> so, actually, no. Um, I feel like often a lot of a lot of the inspirations for my songs, um, if I don't have, like, if I'm not in a super emotional place, which is very rarely, but um, <laughs> dreams. Like, I have a very, very vivid and intense dream life. In a positive or a negative way? Both. Okay. Every dream I've ever had since I was, like, probably 14 has been set in this, like, post-apocalyptic world. Is it the same one? It's the same one. I feel like you've got, like, a cinematic universe. I literally have a cinematic dream universe. Um, But, like, it's so crazy how, like, the lore goes way back. (laughs) Uh, But... A lot of, like, inspiration I will take from, like, my dreams and, um, like, one of, I have a song called The Haunting, and the initial inspiration for that song was, um, like, sleep paralysis. Oh. Sleep paralysis. Have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to, like, used to be really bad as a child, and so I'd have, like, sleep paralysis and, like, um... Uh, what is it, Night Terrors? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, as a child, it used to be really bad. And then as I grew up, it it got, like, very, it, it like, diminished a bit. Less bad. Less bad. <laughs> um, but would you like to hear a story? Yes, about, always. Uh, about um sleep paralysis. Um, I'll trade you one after you're done. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> so uh, a couple of years ago, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, um, I was like falling asleep as one does. And um I have I usually when I'm falling asleep I have like music playing in the background, like very light. So like it's funny cuz I'll have when I'm falling asleep I need sound, like I need like some form of sound, but it can't be too loud. So if it's like okay. If I can make out what a person is saying, it's too loud. Oh. It has to be, like, very, like... So why don't you just listen to, like, instrumental music? I do sometimes, but also, like... You're comforted to know the words are there? I do like (laughs) to know the words. Like, I have a sleep playlist, and, like, it's all very super mellow, um, but also I just don't want to hear what anyone's saying. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, yeah, maybe I should just be that listening is to instrumentals. super instru- interesting. <laughs> I should just be listening to instrumentals, which <laughs> is funny because I do have instrumental songs on that playlist. So maybe I need a new playlist that's just <laughs> instrumentals. Um, but I was listening to this this playlist that I have to fall asleep. And I'm like slowly falling asleep. And then um, all of a sudden, I was like, why is my music changing? Like the song changed. And it was like this like very heavy metal, like screamo song. And I was like, who threw that on this playlist? That's not me. Like I, I would didn't... never put that in my sleep playlist. Not in my <laughs> sleep playlist. <laughs> How dare it? <laughs> so I was like very confused as to why the song's playing. So I was like turning over to like like check what's going on. And then I realized, oh, you're dreaming. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't move. So, like, I was trying to turn over to, like, check the music, but I can't move. And I was, like, stuck, sleep paralysis. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, we're in sleep paralysis right now. And I was like, okay, Lila, you need to, like, wake up. And so now I'm getting a little panicked, and I'm, like, freaking out a bit. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's happening. Oh, my gosh, what do I do? Just calm down. And the music's getting louder and louder and louder and now it's just like blaring in my ear um and then I remember I like could see in the distance my sleep paralysis demon you have a sleep paralysis demon doesn't everyone I I don't in one of my sleep paralysis experiences I maybe remember like the shadow man like, well, so in one of my sleep paralysis, I woke up pointing and screaming at my fan that was in my room, thinking it was something. Okay. The other two times, I don't think there was anything in the room. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe it's, maybe it's not a thing, but. I mean, it's I... a thing in Insidious, which is fucking terrifying. <laughs> well, okay. So my sleep paralysis demon wasn't actually just like, there was, it was just a shadow figure. It was just a shadow for now. For now. (laughs) Um, Literally for now. Just you wait. So I'm like seeing in the distance this shadowy figure slowly come inch closer to me whilst this music is playing Mm. very loud and I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out at this point, but I can't actually freak out. Are you freaking out to the music? You're like screaming with it? Yeah! (laughs) I'm like with the words. I'm like... (laughs) Um... So I'm like freaking out, but I'm not actually freaking out because I'm paralyzed. Um, And this demon comes closer. And then eventually they come all the way up to my ear. And then they whisper. Her name is Catherine McDonald. I got the tingles. Who's Catherine McDonald? (laughs) I don't know. Did you Google it? Um, So then I like that happened. Everything cut off. The music stopped immediately. I was able to like move and everything and I was like what in the world what in the world was that like what what just happened (laughs) and so I was like I was really scared and I was like I remembered that I wanted to google it because like I I wanted to like just like I had my laptop and I was like maybe I should google it but then I was like no I'm not gonna google this because then I won't be able to sleep like, Google it I, tomorrow. Yeah, I'll Google this tomorrow when I'm like away from the situation. Um, <laughs> when it's nice and light outside. <laughs> I did Google. I don't think anything came up with Catherine McDonald. I don't think anything came up. 
or like anything of significance Sounds to me. Sounds like a fairly innocuous name. Yeah. But I th- now I don't want to tell lies. But I have this memory and I can't remember who, but I think someone knew someone whose name was Catherine McDonald, like their great aunt or something. Did you know that before? No. Or, okay, you learned it after. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I know. And Crazy. it specifically said her name was yeah. Catherine McDonald. It was was. Interesting. Yeah. So was... maybe its name was Catherine McDonald. Yeah, I know. I'm like <laughs> who who Catherine McDonald, if you're out there and you're listening. Do you ever talk to it? Because in the movies, that's supposed to be a big no-no. Oh, no. Never. I would never, like, it can talk to me, apparently. I uh, I didn't even have the chance to, like, say anything back. Because, okay. um, oh, like, in the movies, whenever you talk back to it, that, like, invites it in, right? Right, so, like, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Like, have uh, you noticed any hauntings or possession? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Although, recently, I... No, uh... Recently, no. But this one time. <laughs> yeah, but this one time when, like, my back broke. <laughs> uh, no, I... I I probably wouldn't. And also, like, what would I say? Like, No, it wasn't. <laughs> Her name was Karen McDonald, actually. Yeah. Check your facts. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. What, it, what would you say to your, your sleep Honestly, house? like, a sassy retort is probably the oh, best. That'd be like, so good. It I'm... would confuse the shit out of a... D- they'd be like, you're supposed to be scared of me. Yeah. What is happening right now? Am I in the wrong place? <laughs> I wish. I wish I wish I was, like, like, quick and witty. I'm not. I'm very not. I mean, especially in Dreamland. You're groggy yeah. See, and See, but in Dreamland, I feel like... I would be quick and witty because, like, you're dreaming. You can probably... I guess you can be anything you want to be in Dreamland. Yeah. I mean, the the flip of that is that that is true in reality, but most people don't realize it. Well, that was deep. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true, though, isn't it? I guess, like, yeah, anyone could be anything. Well, you can't... I guess you can fly. I flew to Mexico last year. I mean, like, (laughs) like... Or last summer. Like... Your body. Yeah. There's, the, I mean, the jury's out on that. There's people that claim that they can, like, hover and float and stuff. It's something. I Something that always gets me is that my brain has recognized this pattern, whether it's true or not, where when a subset of the population start to believe in something and the majority of them, the majority of the rest of the population doesn't believe in it, it's like well known as not being a fact or not being true or real or something. But then there there is often this point of like critical mass where like now it all of a sudden it is common belief that black holes exist. And then like two years later, they finally manage to measure one for the first time kind of thing. Yeah. So like I have this little bit of a feeling that the world is more powered by belief than people realize it is. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean... I feel like we are, as human, we're very, I don't know, I think we, unless something is literally presented to us, we don't know, which is, like, obvious, but, like, in that sense, like, we're not really open to seeing anything beyond what we see. Yes, right? agreed. We are very and close-minded like, in a lot yeah, of ways. We're, like, the fact that people, I mean do like people believe whatever they believe but like like aliens or other forms of life within our universe 
The aliens thing is actually interesting lately in particular because a lot of governments have been starting to. So I'm curious, where do you land on aliens? Uh, I very much like, I don't know. I think what we perceive aliens to be is probably not what they are. Like you're. Mm, That is very much how I feel about God. (laughs) Like the whole like classic alien. Gray head. Yeah, gray head, giant eyes. It's probably not exactly that, but. I would, it would, I think it's a little, I don't want to say ignorant, but kind of ignorant to think of, like, to know how vast the universe is and to think we are the only living beings, if that makes sense. I absolutely agree with that. I I think the only way that that is possible is if we were created by a god and this is the only planet that actually exists. Yeah. I think that's, like, the only way that that makes sense. And I think and, even in that scenario, God probably made other planets with other species. Yeah, like if, if that was also the case, I'm pretty sure, like, I think of it like a Sims game. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, you know very well when people play their Sims game, they also have other Sims games. Like, I'm sure, if, like, there's yep. a God, he's, uh, there's other ones. There's probably other planets out Especially... there. Especially... Like this, this one's getting boring. Like, you know, like well, it's, it's starting to get spicy again. It's getting spicy, but like giving us indigestion. Yeah, you know, he's like, ah, I'm gonna leave this one play out for a little bit. Yeah, they're I'll getting come a little rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> um. What were we talking about before that? There, I had another question I wanted oh, to ask you from the Oh, we were talking about sleep paralysis demons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so my first sleep paralysis experience, I was up in Quinell, uh, staying at my mom's house, working for my uncle during a, a gap year I took off in university. Mm-hmm. And working for my uncle, I was working as a logger, uh, operating a feller buncher. So I was one of the people that uh, it's, a, it's a machine with a giant saw blade on the head, and you okay. cut down the trees and stack them. Okay. Uh, Scary. <laughs> that sounds like Final Destination or something. <laughs> uh, it's actually more like uh, there's this one night I was on night shift, and everything was just like clear cut destruction on the mountain, pretty much. And there was this one tiny little tree that had like a swirl in it, and it was just like the only thing standing kind of in front of me. And in that moment, I realized I was the bad guy from Ferngully and didn't want to cut trees down anymore. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, and anyway, so the this night terror thing, I woke up one night, uh, would have had to been like 3, 4 a.m. kind of thing. And I remember opening my eyes and I couldn't move any of my body. At the start, I couldn't even really feel it. I just like opened my eyes and saw forest above me everything around me was just forest in the night like moonlight coming through the trees Mm. everything incredibly vivid like i swear i could feel the moss that i was laying on when i started to get feeling back from my body yeah and i just like laid there stunned and shocked and like how did how did i get in the forest where am i like what the fuck is happening right now and after a few moments uh I have no idea how many, but eventually I started to realize, like, no, I'm like, I should be in bed right now. This mm-hmm. is probably a dream. I'm probably in bed right now. So I just started to like try and shimmy down to the bottom of the bed. Uh-huh. 
uh, and eventually like got my leg far enough down that my leg like flopped over and hit the floor. And that woke me up enough to like see the room instead yeah, yeah. of the trees. But yeah, just like I could not. I don't think I've even really dreamed very many dreams where everything was like that vivid and detailed because like everything about the trees and the forest floor mm -hmm. and like the branches and the leaves and the pine needles it was just like so remarkably detailed that's really cool that's well it's less very scary. scary it's less, less scary, scary than yours but <laughs> like like that's it is unnerving it is unnerving yeah but also I'm like, wow, that's really pretty. <laughs> it was. And, like, I think that was like, one of the reasons why I wasn't, like, totally terrified is I was slightly enamored by the fact that, like, these trees just looked so... And especially from the perspective laying on the floor, yeah. like, they were just... They were big, beautiful, like, powerful-looking trees. Interesting. Do you Maybe? think that was, like, your subconscious? Maybe. Just, well, yeah. obviously, it's your subconscious, but, yeah, but, but like... It's Actually, I can't remember how close it was to that that Ferngully realization. So maybe it was like, yeah, <laughs> around the same time. <laughs> maybe. Uh, and then I had one other sleep paralysis. Was actually kind of recently. I saw, I was having this like really weird dream where I was in this like pseudo haunted house kind of thing. Ooh, okay. There was weird shit happening. There was all kinds of creepy crawlies and like oh. rats and snakes and like some weird people it was this one was it was like skinned like live action but it felt kind of anime-esque oh interesting and like in my group there was like this ninja lady and then there was like this bad person who was also kind of a ninja lady and then at some point the feller buncher that I operated was in this thing and it started like smashing its head on the ground and hopping to the point where it hopped like 200 feet in the sky and was about to land on us. And we were all like terrified and we're like, we need to stop this thing from jumping. Uh, and then the ninja girls stopped it because they're super dexterous and they could jump onto oh, it. Oh, nice. Good yeah. for them. Uh, and I was like, after that, I was just like stuck in this room that was dark and it was scary. And like the bad ninja girl was like, I could feel her in the room or like oh, okay. near or something like that. Yeah. But I was like, no, you know what? I know this is a dream. I just need to roll over, turn on my light, and yeah. I'll wake up, and then I'll just, like, walk it off and then go back to bed. Yeah. And I reach over and press the button for my light, and it doesn't turn on. And I was like, what? Uh, oh, God, I'm still in the dream. Scary. <laughs> and then I, I started to panic, and I'm like, okay, okay, just, just roll over, press the button, turn on the light. And I managed to do it again, and it's, it's like a struggle. It takes a long time. I press the button, and it still doesn't turn on. And I'm like, no, I'm oh still in gosh. the dream. Finally, on the third or fourth one, it turned on, and I, I had to get up. I went to the bathroom, and my cat was at my door, and I, I brought her in to, to protect me after that. <laughs> that's nice. No bad dreams after she slept on my bed. Oh, good. That's good. <laughs> that's that's really scary. I hate those like those dreams where, like, have you ever had those dreams where you like you're getting your day started? Mm-hmm. And then like you're like walking down the street and then your alarm goes off. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, hold on. I just did all this. Which one of these is real? Yeah, which one of them <laughs> is real? What's happening? Um Yeah, that's that's really that's really scary. Just like I won't uh 
that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of those those full day ones when I was a kid once where I lived through, a, like, and it was on a Saturday night. I lived through our entire next day at church. And then I, like, went to bed and I was, like, super happy. And then we woke up and my mom was like, time to get ready for church. And I was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Oh but my gosh. I just did church. <laughs> I heard this story um, about this guy who um, he like, uh, I think he had lived a full life. Oh, I've heard some stories like yeah. this about like uh, salvia trips or DMT trips. He like lived a full life and like he had like his wife and his kids and whatnot. And then, like, one day he was, um, like, watching a movie with his family or something. Or, like, he was something, like, doing something at home. And then he looked at his lamp. And he's like, "His, there's something wrong with this lamp. Yeah. He's like, something's off about that lamp. And then he woke up. And when he woke up, he found out he was in a coma. What? Yeah. So he lived this full life in this coma or whatever. He was like in a coma state. Or I don't think it was like a coma. I think he was in an accident. And when he had passed out like um, in the accident, he lived this full life. And then when he came back, because he looked at the lamp and he like came to, um, he was like surrounded by paramedics. So like within, like it was a very short time he was out of it. Near death experience. Yeah. Yeah. And he lived like a full life. Those near-death experiences recounts are crazy. There's like a lot of really, uh, I read an article about a a doctor who had one and it completely changed uh, the way that he, I guess, like he was a, I think a general practitioner or something before, but after he had the near-death experience, he like completely changed his career to like focus on uh, near-death experience accounts and like helping people that had been through near-death experiences. Yeah, I hope to not go through one. (laughs) <laughs> I I have a slightly different opinion. I mean, like, it's scary if you approach it from, like, actually almost getting killed. But um, ayahuasca and DMT give you basically a near-death experience. Oh, really? A lot of people think it's essentially the same thing because there's Cause a theory that DMT is, like, floods your brain when you're dying. And that's what creates the near-death experience. You're kind of like, kind of how we were talking about, like, opening yourself up to, like, more. Mm. I feel like that's probably what it is. Like, you've you've kind of un- unlocked a new pers- a new sense maybe like i very much agree with that yeah you let go of this part of reality yeah, and exactly. it lets you see other things yeah like what we have five senses mm-hmm. and you probably unlock like a sixth sense <laughs> something uh cool and fun that comes up kind of frequently when we're working in the uh, on the podcast is that all five of our senses are just tuned to a slightly different frequency of vibration for, like, audio. Oh, really? So, like, well, even, like, visuals, like, um, if it's a visual wave that we can see, like, it's a type of, uh, like, it's just operating at a different waveform compared to, like, a signal that our ears pick up, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and same with touch. It just has a much smaller... Um, wavelength mm-hmm. so that they're very close together and you can't like pass through it but yeah they're they're all related to vibration interesting so what else can we learn when we vibrate things <laughs> <laughs> just like all the time i mean yeah shake something enough might 
<laughs> unlock something else. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, um, before we go on to our break, I'm going to ask you our number one question for the show, which is, what does creativity mean to you? Creativity is, I think, is like expression, self-expression. At least, yeah, for me, it's self-expression. Any way that I can, I guess... Kind of un unload what I have in my mind into the real world. Okay. Yeah. So creativity is transfer of thoughts into Product, physical reality. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I get creative in like many different ways, like through my music, um, through like I guess the way I dress and the way like I express myself physically, and like. When I make things, I like to, like, sew clothes and stuff sometimes. And, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of, like, bringing the things I have into my head or that I have in my head into real life. I mean, that kind of, that lines up with the, um, to create something, right? You were, yeah, I guess, like, yeah. literally creating. You're, yeah. yeah. I'm, like, very straightforward, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, like, super, like... I don't know, revolutionary. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is in some ways. Because, like, I, one thing that I've noticed when asking people this question on this mm -hmm. show is everyone has a different answer. And even though a lot of the answers are related or connected in yeah. some way, everyone's perspective of it is a little bit different. Really? Yeah. I've yet to have two people give me the same answer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What 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 other answers do you get? Uh, a big one is problem solving. Like a couple people have oh, mentioned problem cool. solving. Um, like one person mentioned it as a main. One person mentioned it as like a key aspect of creativity. Mm -hmm. um, someone else said that creativity was. Uh, actually, there was one similar to yours uh, in the the sense of creativity being a like a manifestation of ideas kind of thing mm -hmm. uh and i think it was a recent one that creativity was oh man now i don't want to misquote myself <laughs> screwed up uh Maybe it'll come back to me. I don't, I don't want to misquote someone that was yeah. on the show. <laughs> Go check out the other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Go listen to all of the other yeah. episodes <laughs> to learn more about creativity. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it, like to me, creativity is a natural part of our being. So like yeah. the, my response is often that creativity, to be human is to be creative and to be human is to be artist. So like they're basically two sides of the same coin and being creative is so core to us that it is necessary for us to be satisfied in this life that's so true that's so true like uh i don't know about all like there's a lot of talk about ai art and whatnot and oh that's actually a great topic for this show because that is somewhat related to my company on a whole so yeah we'll, we'll circle back to this after <laughs> your story um yeah but like ai art and like, that conversation and I know people are very there's like different sides to it um but like it's interesting 
could you even call AI art art if it doesn't have, like, if it's not created by a human? Oh, that is especially interesting to ask me, considering I just said to be human is to be artist. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I also have a slightly, uh, my opinion of where artificial intelligence is going is slightly different from most people. So I don't like, um, for starters, I don't like the, the word artificial in front of intelligence because I don't think by definition, intelligence cannot be artificial. By the time we get to a computer that can think like a human, it mm -hmm. is not artificial. Um, but I very much believe that we are creating like the next iteration of evolution. Um, like sort of in the sense that we are, um, you're familiar. Are you familiar with the, the the metaverse, like the concept of this whole like digital universe that like I know like the surface level about it. Okay, that that's good enough. Honestly, <laughs> so um, so the like the metaverse is essentially like the new universe simulation that we are creating, and artificial intelligence mm -hmm. is simply the beings that we are making for that universe. And like, if they will be sentient or conscious at some point, then there is no reason that they should have less rights than us. That's so interesting. Um, have you seen the show? Oh, wait. There's many shows about AI. but <laughs> A ton of them. <laughs> and I'm, I've been into AI a lot lately, so I've probably seen quite a few of them. <laughs> um, have you seen Humans? I think it's like a UK show. And it's very much like I actually haven't seen that. I will have to check that it's, one out. It's really cool. They did not get to finish their storyline because they got canceled. Uh but it um it's about basically like robots, robot servants, like household servants and them becoming like sentient and whatnot. Same idea as like Westworld. Okay. Yeah. So they're like, killing everyone. They're not no, they're, there's <laughs> less it's less murdering um more more it's more on the emotional aspect of like you have artificial intelligence and their their like feelings and whatnot and like they them being able to feel it's actually really cool i really enjoyed it okay yeah I'll you should check, check it, it out. out thank you yeah i think especially cuz i mean there's a lot of stuff in the last year that has kind of aligned me to the idea that um, digital intelligence is a lot more like our consciousness than a lot of people like to admit or realize. Mm -hmm. um, oh my god, I lost my key point. What was I, where was <laughs> I going with that? Uh, You're rebooting. Similarities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> System crash. <Yeah>. Reboot. <laughs> um, what was the last thing you said? Um, ooh. I was talking about that TV show. Yeah, humans. Uh, I'm being... Oh, I was. I said something about... Um, before that, I mentioned, like, how is art... Can art... Can AR... AI art be art if it's not made by a human? Right. Uh, or is that too so far where, back? Where, where is, what is your opinion on that? Like, does, does it being made by an artificial intelligence algorithm 
make it not art to you? I feel like art in itself is very, very based on human emotion. And I don't know. I think without that key factor, it like, I don't know. It doesn't like, maybe at least for me, it wouldn't resonate as much as something coming from like a human being. Which, I mean, makes sense. And it like it related to the reason why so many people uh, can hear your song, which is about your emotions and think, oh my God, that's so good because I feel this way too, right? But like, you you have a much harder time feeling that way about a robot. Yeah, exactly. You, like you look at that and you're like, the robot doesn't feel the same way that I do. Exactly. But also like, I'm thinking about it now. Like, what if a robot wrote a song that was like similar to mine would I even be able to tell like yeah would you would yeah I know <laughs> like would I I don't know I don't need like maybe I have heard a song already that you might been, have honestly yeah. there's been uh, like in the last six months there's been quite a rise in like even AI influencers like oh yeah people that are like those. wholly fictional just like digital avatars that yeah. look like people and are making thousands of dollars a month for like some agency that created them. That's crazy. Right? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, wow. I literally heard on a podcast about one last night that they're making 9,000 pounds a month for a digital uh, influencer that they made. Wow. I feel like... I'd... I'd... Digital influencers, I think maybe if I was to put a face, like, because they are so similar to humans, like, looks-wise, specifically, aesthetically, mm -hmm. even if they, like, don't look realistic, even if it was a cartoon, just the fact that it's, like, similar to human or close enough, I would be able to empathize with it. So now we're getting harder and trickier. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which, uh, so, uh, well, you were saying that last thing you, or I guess maybe two things ago, you you said emotion, which triggered the memory of the thing that I was going to uh, okay. bring up. Yeah. Um, so, like, our emotions are things that we, we don't have a great explanation for, but we know drive us. Yeah. And are fundamental to the way that we operate and make decisions. Uh, how is that? much if any different than the programming that is dictating how ai operates because it can't explain how or why it's making these decisions but it is interesting i don't right? know and then that grazed the lines even more because like at that point their base code could just be considered almost equivalent to our emotions whether they feel emotions in the way that we think or not and if that's the case, then maybe they think emotion or maybe they feel emotions in a more similar way to us than we realize. That's scary. <laughs> I'm going to have dreams about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe maybe it's I hope it's a good thing because I like I'm one of the few people that think that AI is going to like make very positive changes for the world. I don't believe in all the dystopian futures that people have written about AI. I think it's the biggest trust, trust exercise humanity has ever experienced. Hmm. Wait, why do you say that? Uh, so the, the more, let's say, enlightened or like in, 
informed and educated uh well we can only use humans because we only know humans becomes like they tend to become more like the dalai lama or like gandhi or you know like some kind of they become very unwilling to hurt other living things Mm -hmm. and ultimately the thing that gets you to that point is just a lot of thought and reasoning and confronting yourself and your existence and a digital super intelligence can do that in a fraction of the time that a human life would take to get to that point so it would probably go through that process before we've even realized that it started that process and at that point when a digital super intelligence like i i just can't fathom it coming to a conclusion that the only way to like move forward is, is to, to kill, kill all the all humans, humans. Yeah. like there's just yeah. there's no logical I, there are fear-based reasons that people can say that would suggest a logical reason for why it would do that but mm-hmm. it just i don't think it tracks based on like our understanding of knowledge and growth and how people tend to be once they have grown to a certain point. Okay. Interesting. Would you would you think it's in a way kind of like raising a human? Absolutely. I'm actually so glad you went there because that's uh that's one of the biggest things that I think that the like the current companies that are doing AI research have completely wrong is they've all realized in their research and their study that they are creating an algorithm that has a remarkable amount of parallels Mm -hmm. to young consciousness in human beings. But none of them, to my research so far, have broached that they might be similar to raising a human child, Mm -hmm. where my opinion is that it is very much, if we stop trying to train them like a robot and we start trying to raise them like a human, they will find consciousness faster. That's my opinion. That's one of the things that I'm like playing around with trying to do with my company here. Oh, really? Yeah. That's His name cool. is Ptolemy. He's named after the character in my book. Ptolemy? Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> see, oh. I'm already attached. <laughs> you should see the cute little robot mascot we've made oh, for no! him. Oh, <laughs> no. You've personified it already. <laughs> I need to make him plushiable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's really cool. That's really cool. But I mean, I've got this plan too that like, as the like foundation or algorithm of him improves and grows, mm-hmm. his like little robot will well, improve also, and grow. Yeah. That's that's really cool. <laughs> like no, that makes sense. I like I brought it up because like I don't know. There's um the idea like humans could be bad too. Like humans are already leading this world to like self-destruction, yeah, right? Yeah, humans have been not great for several thousand years. Exactly. <laughs> and so like, I feel like it's all in what is being taught and yeah, basically. I mean, that is very much it. That nurture is, I think, a lot more important in the whole nature versus nurture argument than people realize. Yeah, I I totally agree. I totally agree with that. Um, I think we'd be in a very different world if we were more Mm nurture-based than 
nature. Absolutely. Because yeah. it, like, it really does take a village to raise a child properly. Yeah. Like, two parents with lots of time is not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you need other friends and family. That child needs to be exposed to a lot of different things. Yeah, exactly. Or you turn out to be, like, a sad introvert. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that feels too close to home. <laughs> but I'm... <laughs> On uh, that bombshell, I think maybe we will stop for a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will be right back after these messages, maybe. Potentially there's ads. Who knows? And we're back from the break. Uh, now we are going to dive in a little bit about what other creative hobbies you have. You mentioned you like to make your own clothes sometimes. That's yeah. an incredibly creative hobby. It is. Uh, I actually um, went to school for fashion design. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, what school did you go to? I went to Blanche McDonald. Um, that is the only fashion school I have ever heard of anyone going to in the really? Lower Mainland. Yeah. My sister actually went there for like fashion marketing. Yep. I have a cousin that went there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, everyone goes to Blanche McDonald. Or there's another one called John Casablanca Institute. Mm. Yeah. Um, I have actually also heard of that one. Yeah, there's those. I don't know anyone that's gone to that one. I think I know one person. Actually, I don't even know. I don't know. But I know of those two. And yeah, um, so I'm from Alberta and I moved here uh, like just after high school to go to do fashion design. And uh, I went and did a program at um, uh, not John Casablanca, the other one. <laughs> Blanche McDonald. Blanche McDonald, yes. <laughs> Maybe Blanche McDonald was by sleep paralysis demon. Maybe that's what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, you need to look at the, the rosters yeah, to see exactly. if there was... <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a Catherine. Anyways, um, Blanche McDonald. I did this um, design program at uh, Blanche McDonald for a year. It was like this year intensive program. And then I uh, dropped out. On the last day of classes. On the last day? Yeah. That doesn't feel like it was worth it. It, it, I. Does it feel like it was worth it? <laughs> no. Okay. On the last day of classes. Um, why, why the last day of all the days? I think it was, um, I think I was burnt out after this whole year. And I was, like, I, I really enjoy fashion and fashion design specifically. And specifically, like, creating, like, uh, clothing. So, like, putting garments together and, like, sewing and, like, creating in that way. Um, but I don't think it was, like... There's something extremely satisfying about working with our hands. Oh, I love working with my hands. I really do. And, yeah, I went through this full intensive, this hard intensive program and then on the last day I think I was just like so burnt out that I just like was like I just never went back I never went back wow yeah (laughs) I just like I came home from class that night and then we were supposed to have like a graduating fashion show which um I never attended I just like didn't go to I just never went back wow yeah did you make the clothing for it you just decided yep. you didn't want to participate anymore. Exactly. I made I made this whole thing. I'm pretty sure I yeah, I just never went to to then like I just didn't finish it. I just like my brain was like done. <laughs> and then um I went through like a bit of a depression after that as one does. I can understand. Especially like being in burnout already is going to put yeah. most people in depression. Yeah, exactly. So tacking on any other stressors or concerns to it is definitely going to throw yeah. you off the edge. It like 
I also was like, so I did this program, this this design program, fully aware that that wasn't something I really wanted to do. Like, in my heart of hearts, I knew that I really wanted to go into music. And, um, like, whilst being in this program, this whole intensive year, which was, like, the most intensive year of my life. I'm, like, that was the year I did not get any sleep at all. Um, and I, like, need sleep to function, even though <laughs> I don't sleep at night. <laughs> um, but... Like, within this year of, like, no sleep and, like, having to work so hard on all these, like, fashion projects and blah, 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 um, I still would find time and make time to create and make music. So, like, yeah, I think by the end of it, I was, like... Did I've, it help improve your mood? Like, making music? Yeah. Or, I think so, yeah. I, like... No, I know so. Like, I, like, I knew when, I think, I don't know specifically when I knew that I kind of, not that I, I don't want to say, like, that I wasted my time, but I, like, there was a point where I, like, I knew, I was like, I knew I should have just taken this year, like, I spent this money on this program, and I should have just gone into music. I know exactly how you feel. I've, like, I spent seven years dragging my heels through an engineering degree, and I have currently used it for maybe two years outside of my oh. education see like <laughs> yeah it like like I don't want to say that I, re I regret because I I don't I don't regret I just know that I think it would have been I don't even say easier but I think I would have just would have done it differently I would have done it differently but also it's funny because like as much as, like, I don't... Actually, I kind of do... I do use the things that I've learned from, like, this fashion design course. Um, and I use them... I don't want to say often. Like, it's not as often as I, like, am playing music. But I do use it often enough to, like, have gotten something out of it. It's just... It, it breaks my heart that it took, like, a $20,000 student loan. Oh, dude, yeah. tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. And, like, to be honest, I'm very lucky that it was only $20,000. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm happy I didn't go into, like, a university degree where this was, like, four years of, like, going into this design program to find out that on the last day I just, like, couldn't even be able to process anything after that. Um, so I'm fortunate of that, like, of, in a way I'm fortunate that it, like, worked out that way, but, um, yeah, throughout this whole year of working so intensively on this fashion design course, I would, in all my free time, which there was, there wasn't any free time, I was still trying to make music and still writing songs and... Yeah, it like it was very much it was very eye opening. And in a way, I don't think I would have known how much I loved music if I didn't do that. Probably true to some degree. Like yeah. I I have a, a similar um, feeling about creative things in the uh, that's a poorly delivered thought. Let's go back. <laughs> OK, so uh Growing up, I always 
thought of myself as an academic, a brain. My dad had a very high IQ, so he taught me lots of sciencey things mm -hmm. and math stuff when I was really young. Uh, so I grew up for most of my younger years thinking that that was my path. Yeah. Uh, and in engineering school, I realized that I don't like it no. <laughs> nearly as much as I thought I would. Like, yeah. I like science. I like technology. I like um, projects and working with my hands. Yeah. But there's a lot of boring, repetitive, like, busy body work that okay. goes into it. There's lots of, like repetitive using a software to do the exact same thing 6,000 times or okay. like you spend all of your day sitting in an office staring at a computer screen at a yeah. CAD model kind of thing. And like you can make really cool CAD models uh, or really cool CAD uh, designs for things. But especially at the beginning of the career, a lot of your job is like you're just doing these super boring things over mm -hmm. and over and over again. And in school, it's all theoretical math. And like it gets to the point where I like actually got really bad at doing math with numbers because all of our math was with letters. So like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> you do a whole bunch of math with like literally some some of these equations would have like fourteen different variables in it, and then you have to go back and plug in all the variables afterwards, and then you make like even if you get all of the work right, you might get the wrong answer because you plugged in the numbers wrong because you just spent 10 minutes staring at the same 14 letters. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> no me and math, we don't mix um, at all. <laughs> and then I, towards the end of my program, when I was finally finishing, um, the the senior years of engineering, there's a lot more hands-on like projects. Yeah. So I got to boost my grades doing hands-on stuff. And then I got into an entrepreneurship program that was like an extracurricular thing. Mm -hmm. And again, similar deal, whereas like all of my time was going into my engineering course. Like I was taking six classes yeah. in senior engineering and we had our capstone projects to do. And uh, I spent all of my time like trying to work on a startup idea that I had. Um, and then even then, I, like that ended up kind of falling flat because it was a medical device startup. And mm -hmm. I ended up realizing that the medical device industry, one, is full of corrupt assholes and pieces of shit. And two, it's like it's very much a gentleman's club in the sense that like oh, okay. you need to have an old white dude on your board yeah. to schmooze the FDA mm -hmm. to get anywhere. And like I, we hit this wall of like you need to like follow the formula and like do everything they tell you to do to like yeah. make it through. And it's like, no, that's not why I'm starting a company. And literally the point of me doing this is so we do something different that actually yeah. helps people and changes things. Uh, and like every step of the way, it was just like, no, you can't do it was that. It's like roadblocks. Yeah. Roadblock. It's like, well, then mm -hmm. why are we doing this? <laughs> um, Interesting. And then the one of the co-founders orchestrated a coup with an independent board member that wasn't like related to our initial founding team. Mm -hmm. And they fired me without telling the other two co-founders. And uh, that was when I ended up in the film industry after that. And like the film industry is an island of misfit toys. Like it's <laughs> people that don't belong anywhere else find yeah. their way into the film industry. And it ended up as many problems as it has uh, and as many ways as it can be comparable to mm -hmm. the medical industry. It the people in it just feel more alive. Like they, they know how to enjoy life more. They know how to 
embrace creativity and yeah, fun things. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably, like, full of creatives. It is, like, exactly. literally, yeah. and it's been an easy, uh, like, net for us to start this podcast because, like, the three of us that are starting our three different podcasts, we're all from the film industry. So. Oh, okay. And, like, everyone that is in the film industry, like, they have... They're like a musician or they have yeah. a clothing line yeah. or some other online store or they make indie shorts or yeah. music videos. Like everyone has a side, hus uh, side hustle or another creative hobby kind of thing, right? Whereas in engineering, you just you don't really see that. It's people just go to work and they work their eight hours and then they go home and a lot of them just play video games. <sighs> I mean, that's like video games is fun, but like also it would... It just, yeah, no, that, that lifestyle, that idea of living uh, an eight-hour, like a nine-to-five. I literally then, can't do it. Every I, time I've been in a job like that, I get so miserable so fast. Yeah, just like, I literally don't see the point of it. <laughs> like, I, it's probably I, because there isn't a point like to it. It, <laughs> it. it doesn't, like, my brain can't process how that makes, like, that idea or that lifestyle, I guess, just doesn't like process in my brain how like yeah no it would it would um no it just doesn't work it doesn't work <laughs> my brain does not compute <laughs> I, I very much agree it like it doesn't account for humans to have a life and that is unacceptable because like if we don't get to live our life then what the fuck is the point in being yeah, here yeah exactly and especially in like i don't know any any job like I can't see myself in any job where I can't or I wouldn't be able to use my creative mind. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that just kind of, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. It would be like it's it's a waste. It would be a waste. Very much so. I and think I, that's what I learned in the film industry is there wasn't enough creativity in engineering, for me at least. I'm sure there is for lots of people. Yeah, I'm yeah. Yeah, and not that the fashion industry isn't creative, which it's, it's a very, very it's much more creative it's, industry than exactly engineering it's very in creative in in so many ways. But I think for me, a big thing with the fashion industry, or at least at the time, um, there was. Now it's gonna come back to feeling because everything comes back to. <laughs> I mean, the way it I feel. does. Yeah, but our like, base programming. <laughs> The environment of it, and especially at the time, was very superficial. Mm. And it was a lot of, like, um, it's kind of a status-like thing. And I've, a, lot of, a lot of the fashion industry is a status thing. Um, like, I don't know, especially with, like, brand name clothing and whatnot, um, which, like, I very much and I can appreciate and I do appreciate like um, like designer labels, but I think um, for me, I appreciate it from a uh, like a stance of like the creativity aspect of it. Like those wild, <laughs> like have you seen like wild fashion shows where like yes, what they're wearing is like you'll never wear that in real so life. So impractical yeah, for just anything. So, like that's <laughs> unless the you're side. trying to be a sailboat. Exactly. <laughs> Literally, that is the side of fashion that I love. Like <laughs> that is why I love fashion is that that um, the ability to create something that is purely just expression. It's purely art and for expression reasons and not less for um, 
like everyday attire. That's kind of the reason why I really gravitated towards fashion. And you've given me a new perspective of the completely impractical clothes in those kinds of fashion. Because I historically, I've always thought of it just like, who's wearing that? Yeah. Right? Why did they design like they're not planning on making it? So I don't understand what this fashion show is for. Yeah. No, it's it's like visual art. Right. That, that makes a lot more sense. It, I had never thought of it about. In it's that very way much like the same, like when people make art for like like paintings and whatnot. And it's just in a different form. It's very on a much body instead on a of body. A canvas. Exactly. You're taking something that's less 2D and even art can be more than 2D. But you're you're um, you're forming it on a human, which mm-hmm. I think is so cool that people can do that and. I don't know. It's just so creative and beautiful in so Not many ways. Not just people. You can do it, too. You design yeah. clothes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was more so my, like, the distance that I had with the fashion industry. And, and fashion was uh, how superficial that, like, it gets. And My sister had a similar kind of takeaway when she finished her program. Yeah? It, like, it really disillusioned her to go it, through yeah. the program. Yeah, like, a lot of the people that I went to, like, this, or I was in this program with were very much, um, it was very much very super, very superficial and, like, um, trying to be, like, I don't know. It was, I don't know, it was just very superficial and less, less genuine. There was less love for, like, the actual art of it and more mm. so for... The status of what wearing a certain type of clothing right. would give you. Do you find that musicians are more or less genuine in your experience? It's so funny because, yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Glad we covered that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, like, there, there's some, like, I'll, I'll encounter some musicians where I'm like, oh, wow, very genuine human being but then there's other musicians that are like it there's like a disconnect and anytime I like come like come across people like that like it it's it it seems like rather than musician it's more of actor oh fascinating like you're playing the part of a musician right have you seen the newest Trolls movie? No. Came out recently? It has a very kind of similar and relevant plot, actually. Oh, really? There's like these two, uh, they're actually kind of human-esque beings. In mm-hmm. the, have you seen any of the Trolls movies? Mm. Oh, you know what? That was Smurfs. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I saw the Smurfs one time and then I left the theater because I couldn't I couldn't handle it. You could handle yeah, it. Too Smurfy for it. It was too Smurfy. <laughs> it was the one with Katy Perry. And I was oh, like, God. I it just Yeah, no, I couldn't I couldn't deal. Okay, so in the Trolls movies, like they're all about music and basically right, have the power yeah, okay, of yeah. like music and friendship can save the day kind of thing. Okay. And in the third one, uh the they're was like a trolls boy band back oh, okay. in the day. Okay. And they tried to hit this like perfect family harmony thing and they fucked it up. And then they parted ways after that. And one of them, like in the future and like present day, gets captured by these 
uh, pop stars who are like mostly humanoid. Because in the first two Trolls movies, there were like no humanoid creatures or people okay. or whatever at all kind yeah. of thing. Uh, but these two, uh, they're called Velvet and Veneer, I think. And they're supposed to be like a brother and sister like mega pop stars yeah. but they're super fake and mm -hmm. they're just like si siphoning off the troll's energy to like use his talent to sing oh. so there's like a scene where it shows them singing in their studio like after they come off a stage and they're super tone deaf and super horrible mm -hmm. and they've got a troll in the spritz bottle and they like spritz themselves with the troll <laughs> yeah. and after that it, there's like a mystic spray their pupils go huge it's like they just hit a rail of coke and then all of a sudden they can just like sing perfectly in tune and like they're superstars kind of thing so the whole movie is about like trying to rescue that troll and oh, okay. how to like show that those people were fake and not actually talented at all it's not okay okay that that that's funny it's not even <laughs> like that the musicians that the actor musicians that I, I I bring up. It's not even that they're not talented. Yeah, the, the, this was definitely an extreme example. Right, there exactly. are, but um, like that is yeah. There are people like that also exactly. in the music industry. Yeah, it's like I don't know. There's just like this persona that that is being put on to maybe and maybe it's put on to like sell their music or something like that. Um, but it just feels a little bit disingenuous. Actually, I find it interesting. You, you mentioned persona to sell their music because there are some artists that invent a persona to do a specific oh. genre or like mm -hmm. release an album under kind of thing, mm -hmm. but then also have their other. Um, so what's your opinion on that? Where does that fit into the? I don't know. I feel like maybe I even have a persona that I'd like I've un unintentionally like put upon myself. Do you think most artists do? Is it like think, almost a necessary thing? I think, yeah. Like, I think it might be just like, like you're going into the world and you're going into this, this world and you're sharing these ideas and your music and like these emotions that you're not too sure how people are going to receive it as. Mm -hmm. So naturally, I think people put up a mask or some sort of like, some sort of barrier to kind of like, at least, I don't want to say protect, but like protect. Yeah, I guess that's the right word. Protect them from like opinions and whatnot. Okay. And like yeah. that, that makes sense. And I, I understand that. But also, I don't know. It just like anytime I've come across like, because there's like, there's like the genuine musicians. And I don't, maybe genuine's not the right word. There's like, maybe it's the artist. Oh, maybe that's not the right word. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to like offend any musicians because I just like, there's like this, I feel like there's like the genuine. How like, many non-genuine musicians realize that they're being non-genuine? Is that something that they're self-aware to? I don't think so. I don't think they're aware to it. Because honest, and I don't think there's a lot of them. I think there's, it's, I feel like it's more of an anomaly. Like, I've only met, Outliers. like, like a handful okay. of all the musicians that I've interacted with and, like, that I know. It, there's only, it's a very few of them. But it's funny because, like, when I talk to other musicians, uh, like, say, like, 
we've played a show together or something like that they'll be like do you know this person and they'll be like yeah i know this person they're like what do you think of this person and then i'll be like uh and we have, everyone kind of has that same like right so everyone is picking up the same vibes yeah exactly <laughs> but like yeah i don't know it's it's weird because like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily take away from their music or their like talent or their musicality or anything. It's just like I don't know. It just I think it in like in like a real world conversation. I and maybe it's just me. I like I don't connect to certain people and that's okay. Um but like I wouldn't be able to connect with that that human if that makes sense i mean that makes sense you like not everyone can or will like everyone exactly and, like i feel like that's a big part of growing up and maturing as an adult too yeah. is like realizing and be being okay with the fact that like not everyone is gonna like you exactly and that's totally fine yeah and you not everyone need needs to. to exactly not everyone needs to like you and that's totally fine too mm -hmm. and like maybe not everybody should like you like i don't want Certain people, like, I wouldn't want a racist to be like, oh, I like her music. <laughs> I, like... <laughs> what does that say about your music? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what does that say about my music? If they're, like, relating to my music, then... But also, if they're relating to my music, maybe... Maybe I, mean, I can yeah, change it, it. And it could be the other way. Is like, they relate to your music, but it's, like, the, the non-racist part of them that's relating to your music. And yeah. perhaps, like... Just like we mentioned earlier, everyone's got their own journey. They need something in their life to help inspire them through the exactly. hatred. Exactly. Maybe that's it. Maybe. Maybe your music can help inspire them through the hatred. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe it'll help them get in tune with their emotions. Yeah, since they're probably maybe they, not. they need. They're honestly, if you're racist, you're probably not really self-aware. So maybe. Yeah, I think I, I would agree to that. Most of the people that I know that are self-aware are very open, loving people. Exactly. We need more of that. Absolutely. The world <laughs> needs more love. Yeah. And for people who care to try more. Yes. And just open-mindedness, I think. Yes, yeah, so much more open-mindedness. Yeah, like, there's way too much closed-minded. I don't understand how we got to this point where nobody seems to acknowledge that people are allowed to have different opinions. Yeah, like, there's that. And also, there's the idea of, like, you can also just, like, change your mind. Like, that's okay, too. Like, yeah. you, it's okay to also just, like, admit that maybe the way you were thinking or the way you've done things were not in favor for the majority, I guess. And, like, not that, I don't know, I guess it gets kind of tricky, but not that everyone should be doing everything for the majority. But I think if we were to think of everyone and kind of... Well, that's a big part of, like, spirituality and a lot of religions, too, is, like, not enough people think about the whole as the greater good. Yeah. They're thinking about the individual. Exactly. But we are all connected. We are all one. We are all, like, we're in this together. Exactly. If we fuck up this planet, we're all dying together. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like a lot of people, yeah, no, that is, it's very individualistic thinking of how, like, if you don't think like me or you're not you don't look like me or you don't whatever if you're not 
in aligned with my my ideas or ideals then you're wrong or whatever and I don't know it's just very close-minded thinking that mm-hmm. drives a lot of hate in this world and yeah absolutely very much like even comparing myself to like my younger self when I was a teenager with fewer experiences and less knowledge under my belt like every time I spread hate or felt angry like it always came from a place of not being willing to see other perspectives or not yeah like maybe not even not like not being able to see but just like not realizing that there are different yeah perspectives. exactly the i think that's also a big thing is like the acknowledgement of there's other people with other experiences that are di- different vastly to your different own. Yeah. yeah and like that is okay and like it's something that should be celebrated. Yeah, it should be celebrated. Like, everyone is unique, and the only way to fit in is to be yourself. Exactly. And that should be, I don't know, I feel like we should, I think we're slowly starting to do that in in this world, but I don't know, there's a lot of pushback right now, which means we're on to something. If there's a lot of pushback, I think we're moving, we're heading in the right direction. So we just gotta... Yeah. It feels kind of like a... Um like a stabilizing sine wave, like it overshoots in both directions a whole bunch and like and then, it slowly yeah. oscillates towards an equilibrium point. Exactly, yep. <laughs> yeah. I think we're we're in the extremes right now and I don't know, we have to kind of go through these extremes to get to where we want to be. I, I mean, very much so. Like that's, um, like a, a lot of people don't appreciate the lows as much as they need to to appreciate the highs because like without being at rock bottom you don't get to know when you're flying through this like flying through the stars kind of thing right like yeah (laughs) um yeah I feel like a lot of my songs kind of I I always talk about how like sometimes I get embarrassed when I play shows and I'm like Hi everyone. I'm like your sad musician for the evening. Um, Hope you're ready to yeah, feel things. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and like, yeah, sometimes I get like like self conscious about it, but then I'm like, you know what? People, I like, I think with my music and when I play these shows and I, when I share my music, I'm giving people space and like the time to express kind of those sadder emotions or like or like the emotions they they they're not really willing to express I kind of kind of force it upon them (laughs) I think there's a lot of like courage from your end of it too because like you're getting up there and playing this song which is incredibly vulnerable from your perspective and it's kind of showing them that it's okay to let them like let their uh, guards drop for a little bit and like yeah. feel those things that they've been avoiding it's it's yeah it's funny because like every time i i play a show i i'm always reminded that um that's kind of needed it's always like a reminder for me every time like I played a show a couple of weeks ago and someone told me like this person was sobbing was just like absolutely sobbing and like this is not not new to me I'm I, I'm aware that my <laughs> I music, make people cry I'm, everywhere I, I go <laughs> I, I'm very much aware that I make people qu- cry for a living um 
but like I don't know I like like maybe that person has been through something and until that moment when I was singing whatever song they weren't even weren't able to process whatever they were going through and like maybe that started something for them and I don't know it's kind of like a little reminder for me because there's there's times when I'm in a space and in a low and I'm like I don't know if I should be doing this (laughs) (laughs) um but it's also yeah it's kind of like that's a a common thing for creative people exactly we always get to that point at some point or another yeah and like it's yeah it's it's a nice reminder well I don't know it's funny because I keep saying it's nice when like people are crying but (laughs) (laughs) but it is a like this this reminder that you do need your your lows your lows are valid as much as your highs Mm -hmm. um and like you can't have one without the other have you seen inside out yes that movie destroyed me <laughs> that movie absolutely destroyed me. Um, Have you seen the trailer for the new one that's coming out? I did, and I absolutely sobbed. And there was nothing to <laughs> sob about. I, Anxiety's it's just... <laughs> moving in. <laughs> <laughs> it was... That movie... Um, it's so funny, because before that movie, the idea of, like, that per, like um, that depiction of, like, having your emotions as physical things in your brain and kind mm-hmm. of, like this kind of like motherboard working the mental machine that yeah, is your body. operating the console <laughs> yeah it's so funny before that movie came out i had always thought of my brain and my emotions and myself as that i similarly kind of have too honestly like the characters in my books are essentially what i've attributed to those different characters in my head <laughs> and it's yeah it was just like really i was like in the theater watching inside out and i was just like Pixar just took everything out of my brain and then put it on this screen. And then it was also like the sadness. And it was just like, wait, what's happening? And then she like the the main character played hockey and I played hockey when I was a kid. And I was like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> Pixar, the algorithm's where too are the real. cameras? Yeah, where are the cameras? It's the Truman show. <laughs> yeah, no, it was yeah, it was very much yeah, they they really hit the nail on the head with that one Mm -hmm. and i think like it it conveys a unique perspective of sadness slash empathy that a lot of people i probably i don't think consider as why sadness might exist yeah because it very much is how we connect with one another and it's what bonds us together like something we were talking about in the studio um last week i think maybe um we had a production assistant on in the show and uh, like all of us have worked as production assistants because when you start in the uh, film industry you pretty much have to start as a production assistant Uh, and we were trading stories and we realized that like all the stories that we trade almost affectionately are Mm -hmm. of like the worst experiences that we've had on set and it's like oh yeah man like we suffered together Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. understand right and but it's like there's definitely this like feeling of bonding and connectedness when you guys are having a good time together mm, too. Yeah. But it's just, like 
something about it feels more powerful when you're connecting yeah. over over something like those sad. lows. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's funny. Like, I've always well, not always. I like a couple of years ago, I came into like this real real realization of how like. In society, we really, we always, like, um, strive towards happiness as a destination in life. And that makes no sense. It is such a flawed concept. It makes absolutely no sense to strive for this one singular emotion when... I mean, we... it. I think it speaks to the fact that a lot of people also do the same for, like, a partner in life. Like yeah. They, they build their entire being around trying to have a partner. Yeah. Exactly. And, like that's only going to end in a bad relationship. Yeah, the that's a whole thing in itself which <laughs> <laughs> I like I I don't know. I've I have my opinion on that. Write another album about? <laughs> I could write an album about it if once I start writing. <laughs> 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 but um yeah, just like this idea of striving for happiness and like ha happiness being a destination you get to. And how, yeah, it just, that idea makes no sense. You can't, you like, living life, trying to chase happiness will get you, like, it, it'll leave you feeling so much sadder. There are literally dozens of movies about it. And almost every Hallmark Christmas movie has this plot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, that's so true. I have not seen a Hallmark Christmas movie in um, a very long time. But once you've seen one, you've kind of seen them all. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. There's actually... Um, a couple days ago when we were recording, someone had mentioned that someone had worked on like seven Hallmark Christmas movies in a year. It was all they had done that year as an actor. It oh, It was wow. just like seven Hallmark Christmas movies. Are they from Vancouver? Yeah, I think okay, it was, it's a local actor, yeah. Because that's... <laughs> Vancouver's I mean, it like is a lot hub. of our actors, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all but the Hallmark just, movies are filmed here. And you know, like probably at least four of them were filmed in the summer. So those people yeah, had to exactly. wear parkas in like 30 degree heat. <laughs> They're out in Langley. Yeah. In a parka. It's either Langley, Squamish, or Kowasa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, you mentioned that you haven't written in a year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's definitely something that I contend with a lot too when I'm writing in my books is... Mm -hmm. You go through long periods of just, like, not being inspired to, like, make your art. I, I would love to hear your take on that. Like, do you get inspiration and then just, like, an album comes out? Or do you typically have, like, a more consistent run and then something happened and it fell off? Or, like, something good happened and you got distracted? Or like Usually, I don't know. Usually I'll just, like, usually I'm pretty consistent. And, like, my consistency is... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe other people write more or less than I do, but it's usually consistent. But like over this past year, and maybe it's because um, I've been working for this, like working towards this album and releasing the album. I mean, like, yeah, that is a big like and I've actually in a similar place with my current book, like instead of writing the sequel, I've gone back to another editing pass of the finished manuscript mm -hmm. because I've started working with an editor. So there's like now actually like a time like a timeline yeah some some kind of timeline and like 
now another person is involved. So like okay, I feel yeah. accountable to continue working on it more. Right. Whereas like I would normally just like pick up the sequel and start writing into it kind of uh, thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. It's funny because like uh, I will usually when I'm writing it, they just come out and and like I always I always have like this fear of like, what if I've written my best song already? <laughs> like it, it always happens or like. Like, right now, I'm in this weird state where, like, I know it's not true, but it, it kind of feels, because it's been such a long time since I've written something, um, that I'm out of songs. Like, I've reached, the the water hole is dry. <laughs> um, which I, I know factually, I know that that's not true, but it, it just feels like it because I haven't. Right. I I don't have anything to show for it at the moment. But that's not to say like like I have like this note um or like this note thing on my phone of like all these ideas and lyrics and things for songs that I refer back to if I want to write and like as of recently I hadn't touched that for a very long time. Mm. But recently, I've actually, like, started writing things. Like, I, I think I wrote something even yesterday. So the engine is spooling up so again. So, yeah, like, it's it's slowly coming back. Like, wait. Oh, here. This happened. What day is it today? Like 16th? No, 14th? Is today the 14th? Okay, cool. I wrote something down today. Awesome. Yeah, no. And, <laughs> it, like, the fact that I'm, like, even just those those random ideas that are it's coming up. to your head again yeah, yeah it's like oh confirmation okay something's coming and yeah i don't know it it just gets so scared like every lull that i have maybe it's the anxiety but i i always get that that fear or maybe it's just being an artist because like all artists. i mean i think there is <laughs> yeah definitely like what would you attribute it to like is it of showing your work to other people or is it like of I don't know, like, I don't know where it comes from, but there is definitely something that nags at me in that area, too. Interesting. Because, like, do you, when, do you show your work a lot, like, to other people? Do you share um, it? I've had, uh, I passed my, the first version of my book out to probably about 10 friends as alpha readers. I, Three of them finished it all the way through. Mm -hmm. Maybe like another three of them got part way through and then didn't finish it. But I, uh, I don't, the feedback from them was less useful than a feedback from an editor, just because like they're not used to giving feedback to an author kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. like, in some ways, I was not remotely scared at all, and I was like, yeah, no, like I, I wrote it, it's done. I like even if I don't plan on publishing it, like I want to know what other people think of it so mm -hmm. I can like make it what I want it to be kind of thing, right? Like I want to know if it delivers in the way that I intended it to deliver. Mm -hmm. um, but then I think probably what it was that triggered it for me the most was that like so many of my friends were like, oh, cool, you wrote a book. I want to read it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I like... I passed it out to them. I had only asked, I think, three of them personally to give me feedback on it. And, like, a bunch of them just, like, asked for it wanted to read it. But then none of them, like, finished it and gave it back to me, except for the ones that I had asked. Yeah. 
So I, that felt a little discouraging that like the other ones didn't maybe. Mm. Um, but like I, the counter argument to that is that most of those people, like the three that I asked were people that I know read a lot of books okay, and like yeah, yeah. would finish it. Whereas like most of the other ones, they do read, but like not as proficient or not yeah, as yeah. prolifically kind of thing. Do you feel like, like as a, as a creator, do you feel like you get satisfaction from the finishing of a book or the sharing, just sharing with anyone? Or the, the um, like, the response from people who have read your book. Uh, honestly, my satisfaction came from writing it. Right. I yeah. I couldn't care less what people thought of it after they read it. To for the most part, I mean, like, I care in as much as like I said that like I want to make sure that it delivers in the way that I intended mm-hmm. it to deliver. Yeah. That the characters yeah. come off the way that I wanted them to. Um, but. Yeah, I like I started writing it during quarantine mm-hmm. and it really was like the therapy that got me through quarantine, especially because I was going through a really bad or like had just ended a very bad relationship two weeks before quarantine uh, and then got locked in this house with five people for uh, oh. like six months or yeah. whatever it was. And like we were fortunate to have enough space that we can kind of spread out and mm-hmm. not be in each other's hair all the time, but also one of my roommates, his girlfriend was here like every day and like four people is enough to spread out in this house. Yeah. Five is too many. And (laughs) then it becomes difficult to not be in someone else's space. Yeah. And so I I would just spend a lot of time like walking around Port Moody and then I come back, lay on the hammock and write on the deck. Okay, cool. Um, And it's like, it brought me peace. It brought me joy. It like, I learned tons of things from just like researching random things that I wanted to put into it and learn tons of things about myself. Yeah. And every time I have done a a editing pass to read it afterwards, I've learned something new about myself. That's really cool. (laughs) I'm like, I feel like that should be a goal in itself. Right. I mean, like you, it's like unintentional. It's not like the point of it, but it's definitely like if you're if you want to learn about yourself i think creating seeing what 100%. you create is yes. like a, a very easy way to do that that is excellent advice for everyone listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think yeah like me writing these songs i've I learned, yeah, I think I learned so much about myself and it's, it, it kind of helps that these songs in, in itself are already very introspective. So, mm-hmm. um, but like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the things that I process, process emotionally, I don't necessarily, like when I'm writing these songs, I'm not aware of what these songs are about. I feel that. I very <laughs> much feel that. Like... <laughs> I don't notice what a song is about until I like there has been um like a, a good amount of time afterwards like even this album that I wrote um and like these songs all kind of came up like these songs I I wrote them separately it wasn't like this cohesive thing Right it wasn't intended to be a themed album until yeah until I put all these songs together and, and I'm then like, you were like wait oh <laughs> there's a whole story arc and like there's there's it all is connected to each other and it 
it just kind of happened that way after the fact. And yeah, yeah I'm super excited to listen to it start to finish. <laughs> oh, cool. it it has a, a cute little intro. Ooh, yeah. I'm I'm really excited about that. <laughs> um, Can't wait to hear it. But yeah, it's it's funny how like yeah, creating and just writing and creating music has taught me so much about myself, and it, it continues to teach me so much about myself. And and I think it's, it's funny because like now that I'm in a space in this like headspace where I haven't written in a year I feel like I'm like oh my god I haven't written in a year what does that mean <laughs> like I'm like there's there's got to be meaning to this <laughs> like I'm trying like what if I'm not learning have I have I stunted my growth or something like that oh, that's kind of what it interesting perspective okay. yeah it kind of feels like that I'm like if I haven't like if I haven't written anything in a year what have I been doing in this year that has stopped me from not writing? How do you feel about the answer you come up with? I haven't answered that yet. Okay. <laughs> but I, you're making me think about it. And like, I very much like thinking back on it, it feels like that pattern exists there where when I am doing stuff that I love, and like admittedly a lot of it is in the summer and I I feel supercharged by sunlight absolutely mm -hmm. like a lot of people do um so I'll do way more stuff and like inspiration for my books it comes from like reading news articles it comes mm -hmm. from podcasts from mm -hmm. music like everywhere kind of thing and I notice I do less of those in the winter when I tend to write less and I watch more shows which is just like mindless numbing entertainment kind of thing okay um, mm. And, uh, like, this year I've been trying to not fall into those, like, old slump patterns as much, and I'm trying to do more of the things I do in the summer to see if it, like, oh, changes change. the... I mean, if you want change, you got to try something new, right? Very true. Very true. That's advice that I need to take. That's That, <laughs> that one was for myself. <laughs> That's one of my uh, favorite things is when you say something and you realize that it was advice that you were saying for oh my yourself gosh. i do that all the time we're gonna yeah. i'm gonna rewatch this podcast and pick out all the things that i've said <laughs> and be like oh this was notes for future lila <laughs> fantastic uh, we'll have at least one viewer <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> when you're writing music does it like do you write lyrics first or do you write melody first how does that interact I, um, i've asked so many artists and like i've I know. heard different things i always ask artists too because I, I love comparing but um for me i do music first actually it it depends it really depends but most of the time it's music first i usually have like um like i start off with guitar because i usually write with guitar um, and then I go into like a melody and then I start singing gibberish. <laughs> it goes like just gibberish to like get out a melody. And then um, I rhyme the gibberish with what I want to say. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's it's so weird because um, there's a song I wrote. Um, I don't actually have a title for it because it's... Um, of the songs that I've written, um, it's more recent, um, but it, it's 
in the chorus of the song or the chorus it doesn't really have a chorus but um in the chorus of the song it mentions regret mm. and um i don't i don't necessarily like or I, at least i try not to live life with regret i think that it's it's kind of useless mm-hmm. it's a useless it is an anchor yeah it kind of it doesn't really inspire change it just kind of is an anchor it kind of is very mm-hmm. stagnant um and it doesn't yeah it doesn't really lead to to anything regret but in this song um i use the word regret a lot and i don't think i necessarily regret that choice (laughs) i don't regret the choice but it's funny because like when i wrote the song i the reason why i use the word regret is because at the time i was also trying to write an email and i had to write i regret to inform you (laughs) and that the I don't know just like that phrase got stuck in my head and Mm -hmm. it fit really well with that that chorus that I was singing (laughs) and then I was like for the longest time because I didn't actually have any words I just wrote like I was singing I regret to inform you (laughs) in this song and then I was like oh no I need to change it and so I changed it to do you have a roommate where they like what the fuck is this (laughs) song Oh my gosh! Yeah, I do. They're, they're probably like, "What is? Who do we live with? Why is she crying all the time?" No. Um. But I wrote instead of "I regret to inform you," I the the lyric is, "I regret that I told you," mm. and I don't actually feel that way. But also, I think it's funny because like I like. I don't feel like that right now, but maybe I did when I was writing that song. Mm. And if I did then, I feel like I need to give myself a little bit of grace. Because, like, if you regretted something for a moment, you regretted something for a moment. That's okay. Do you, do you regret it now? No, not so much. But maybe in that moment, I just needed to feel that little bit of like, maybe I did regret it a little. And then maybe that kind of, I don't know, helped me move on just to kind of get that off my chest. Yeah. I mean, we can't control, like, when we get blasted by an impulse emotion or feeling, like, we don't get to control that we had it, right? We exactly. just get to control what we do with it afterwards. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but I don't even remember what we were talking. Oh, we were talking about how I write my songs. Yeah, yeah, that's Typically one way. First. Yeah, I lyrics first, or no, music first, melody, and then lyrics. So how does that work with your list of lyrics that you randomly jot down? Um, you just sometimes pick one out of it. Exactly. And then slide sometimes, it in? sometimes I'll pick one out, or sometimes. Um, I had for the longest time, and I think I've had this this one phrase for, I had it since 2015, and I, I finally used it. And I, I remember I really wanted to use it in a song, and I would write a song just trying to fit this phrase or this lyric into it, but it, it just never worked for the longest time. And then finally... Alexithymia, that's actually the song, funny, um, that it just fit in perfectly. 
it it just like fit in perfectly. I didn't need to What's like the lyric. Um, run your fingers through my soul. You know what, Matthias? I remember after Van's concert, Matthias had mentioned that he really liked that lyric, and he had talked to you about it, and you were like, "Yeah, I've been sitting on that for like ten years." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it finally, like, it just—I was so happy when I did it. I was like, "Oh my god, I finally got it out." Maybe it just needed 10 years. And there's some evidence that this year of not writing doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because the notes you have on your phone could be songs 10 years from now. Exactly. That's so true. That's so true. I always like, I I see this podcast is actually for future me. (laughs) It really is. It's just a reminder of that (laughs) this year of lull is for a reason. And I don't know. I'll learn something from it. I don't think there's any artist that like puts out content year after year after year repeatedly. Like even if you do like a solid five year stretch where you have your type of content or art out like very regularly at some point you need a break. You're going to need a break. Yeah. I just like I think. As an artist. It feels like any. I think specifically as an independent artist that's not as well known as other bigger artists Mm -hmm. I feel like having a lull is a detriment like Mm. you're not come up does require exactly exactly it's like you're not doing enough work like you I feel that all you haven't worked (laughs) (laughs) like you haven't worked enough or hard enough at this like this is not necessarily true but it, it feels like I don't, I haven't worked hard enough to be in in a position where I can take a year off of writing, which scares me so bad. And I know that's not true. And I know that doesn't, it's not even like, it wouldn't even make sense even if I did take a year off. Like that actually might be a good thing for my art. Um, I just don't know it yet. But it, it all comes back to the, what is it? grind and hustle culture of oh, God, yes. of life and humanity and how we always need to be putting out content or the destruction art culture and... that has been eating away at society for the last 20 yeah, years <laughs> exactly exactly it, it is destruction it's i don't know where you know when you work a farm too hard and then it can't produce any fruit Mm-hmm. That's exactly what what it is. That is, I love that analogy. That is beautiful. I just came up with that. I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh, it's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I I think like there's something very powerful in taking breaks because when you are bashing your head against a problem or a, like a project, like. Whether it's going well or not going well, if it's the only thing that you're seeing and the only thing that you're focused on for a long time, like you start to become blind to other areas of life, like even other aspects of that project. And that can be incredibly detrimental both for the project and for your mental health. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, it's you're it's kind of throwing blinders on. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't think blinders are good for anyone. No, blinders are blinders are running away, and running away is almost as bad as repressing your emotions. Oh, I'm good at both of those things. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> Everyone's got their own journey. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when you 
like, I guess you said you haven't really answered it, but what do you fill the, the time with when you're not writing music, if it usually takes up so much of your time? With other creative things, I guess. So, I, um, actually, what have I been filling my time with? Other creative props. So, like, it's funny, I'll go back to, like, making clothes again. Or Actually, that that is... Do you think going back to a point where you make clothes for, like, six months will trigger you back into the mental state where you were in in school where you just, like, wrote music because you didn't want to make clothes? Honestly, I, <laughs> I think I run in, like, this weird cycle of rotation of, like, of, like, these, um, like, hyperfixations that I have. Like... ADHD hyperfocus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. So like, Adam's show uh, on this is called The Deficit. Ah, that's a, a that's play perfect. on his, yeah, his late ADHD <laughs> diagnosis, which... Everyone he's had on his show so far, when he says that, they're like, oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and, like, definitely la I was diagnosed last year, too. Um, pretty much everyone of my friends was diagnosed, like, within six months of me getting that's, diagnosed. That's so funny. Um, where was I going with that? I had a point when you had said that. Oh, oh yeah. yes, he's, hyper. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's doing a segment of his show called Hyperfocus, where he'll go... He actually recorded one uh, this past Monday where he went to a gym and did like a three hour session with the the owner of the gym to like kind of advertise exactly the kind of routine that he. So essentially you go to the gym mm -hmm. and then they make you a personal routine uh, for um, like it's a multifaceted routine mm -hmm. uh, and kind of MMA based, I think. Um, but they also like work on a nutrition plan and stuff for you. OK. And um yeah, they just like put him through the ringer for three hours, and it's, oh, so nice. he wants to do kind of like a sort of like a dirty jobs kind oh, of okay, deal. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, where he goes to like different job sites yeah. or different projects, and then just like he'll work with them or like do their thing for a few hours. Oh, that's cool. That's uh, really cool. He originally wanted to call it Die Trying, and then he realized that Hyperfocus was a more apt <laughs> name for his branding. That's really cool. Um, but, but yes, yeah. cycles of Hyperfocus. Yeah. And it's always, like, the same things. Like, it's always been the same things throughout my entire life. It's, like, music, fashion, and then what's another thing that I do? Um, roller skate. Oh, cool. Yeah, roller skate. But that's more of my, like, summer. It's not even that it's my summer. I do that kind of year-round. But... Can in, you roller skate in Vancouver in the winter? Yeah, I guess you can't really do that. that. Sounds, well, there there's places that you I can actually go indoor. to. Yeah, there, okay. there's places to skate indoor. But like in the summer, I like to I'll be outside and doing that. But even then like the activities like that I do and like these hobbies and uh, hobbies. Uh, they're hobbies, but they're mm -hmm. also my art. Um they kind of like I don't know. They always rotate. They always rotate. And... Yeah, I feel that. Mine do too. Yeah. It was actually something that caused me, like, kind of with the ADHD for a lot of my life, caused me some amount of strife because I would think, like, I would focus on something for a while mm -hmm. and then jump to something else and not finish it and then be like I never finish these things like I loved it so much but like I can never finish it yeah. um and then I have like half a dozen of these things that are like super important passion projects in yeah. my life but I just like could never 
I would get them to a point and then stop every single time kind of thing. Right. And, um, it was last year. I finally had this kind of realization that like, if to be human is to be artist, then these things are my art and it is my life's journey to make them. So there's no rush to get them done and out. Ah, that's beautiful. And like after switching to that kind of thinking, it like, it gave me a little more comfort in like, if I see this, Instead of six individual projects, yeah. they are a single project that is my magnum opus. Yeah. Then it can take me my lifetime to produce it. And if I take my time and do it properly and slowly, then it will be perfect regardless of when I finish it. That's beautiful. That's a really that's a really good mindset to have. It puts so much less pressure on... So much less pressure. <laughs> I don't like the way I said that. So much less... Pr- that, that, that's a weird sentence. So much, less, so much less pressure. That's much. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's yeah. I really like the way that like perspective, because yeah, it just takes it takes the pressure off of having to produce things in a certain time limit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good with time limits. Oh, dude, I'm terrible. <laughs> I, like, I mean, everyone we talk to that has ADHD has said a similar thing, right? So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and time, I think, is a prison that humans have made for ourselves. Oh, God, yes, it is. Ugh. And, yeah, no, it. I'm not. It's funny because I'm not. I'm so bad with time. But also because I'm so bad with time, I'm very hyper aware of it. So I'll end up showing up to things too early, like today. Oh, no, that's <laughs> fine. You weren't that early. Um, but I guess... It's better to be it's, early. I was going to say, out of all the things, <laughs> I'm lucky that I got stuck with the one thing that makes me early to yeah, things. Yeah, because I usually don't pay attention to time, and it makes me late to things. Oh, my so gosh, I can't be late. <laughs> I try, I've actively tried to be late for things, <laughs> and... I end up still being early, so then I have to waste time. It it's the worst, and then that I have to is waste time. A remarkable. That's like one of those things, like a minute superpower or like mundane superpower kind of thing. <laughs> I have my mundane superpower is being early to things when I don't want to be, <laughs> and then when I'm late for things, like I'm not actually late. I'm just on time, which for me is late because I'm not early. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> mundane suit. I actually have, um, what's my mundane superpower? It's a weird one. It's not that weird. Oh, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so I can tell when an actor has an accent. Okay. So if, like every time? If there's, say, there's a movie and they're supposed to be American, mm-hmm. I can... I can tell when they're like, I'm like, no, that's a British actor. And is this even if you don't originally know that? Yes, okay. that's it's specifically when I don't know the actor. I'm like, hmm. this actor has an accent. So you have a sixth sense. I have a sixth sense for accents. <laughs> now, can I do accents? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Actually, on that note, like, did you take any vocal training for your singing? Because it requires a lot of voice modulation. Um... Yes and no. Nothing consistent, though. So, like, I started singing when I was a child. Mm. Like, um, it's funny, like, hyperfixations and whatnot, but um, 
I think singing for me was kind of also like a vocal stim. Like, okay, yeah. I just sang because noise. <laughs> I just liked, Fair. like, it was just like a stim. So I think just over the years of singing, eventually, like, and it's funny because, like, I remember a point in time where I was bad at singing and I knew that I was bad at singing. That's I, where I am right now. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I would record myself and I'm like, this sounds bad. This is not good. Um, and then eventually just even though I knew I was bad, I would still sing because it was a vocal I mean, it's a stim. training thing. Exactly. Yeah, you just have to practice. And I remember the day that I knew how to sing. I Like, I was in math class in grade eight. And you just stood up and you're like, whole new world. <laughs> no, it was, it was, well, actually, yeah. It was something similar. I was in like math class. Like a scene class. from High School Musical? We... High School Musical came out a year before that. Oh, no, it was two years before that. Okay, okay. Um, I was in math class. My friend, um, who was it? Miriam. We were joking about something. And I think I was, I think it might have actually been a High School Musical song, too. <laughs> now that I think about it. It was like some some Disney Channel song. And I was singing it in class because we were, we had like, it was like, do your own work time. And we were joking around. And then um, I just like sang something. And then I looked at her and she looked at me and we were like, was that good? <laughs> was I, am I a singer now? And yeah, like I just like, I knew I was like, oh, wait, I could sing now. And then I just never stopped. <laughs> and like after that, I like, I remember, I think it was maybe a year after I did like a bit of vocal training, but then I didn't stick to it because ADHD. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then I just, I just sang. I just always sang. I just always sing like when I'm walking down the street. <sighs> Birds chirping in the background. See, like, <laughs> I wish it was, like, that aesthetic. It's it's not. It's, like, me walking up a hill huffing and puffing and trying to sing. And then there's, like, a person behind me. And I'm like, oh, man. And I have my headphones in. So, mm -hmm. like, I'm like, I don't know there's a person. And then they walk past me. And I'm like, oh, great. This person just can hear me singing which i mean that's fine you got a great voice. yeah it's like now that's they uh, don't have the worst voice um no, but <laughs> she's fibbing her voice is beautiful you'll hear it soon <laughs> uh before we wrap up i i wanted to like kind of on this note it's like the last thing i have in my head before we move on to the set um is related which is why i wanted to touch on it because you re i remember you telling me that you kind of forced yourself to just do like every stand-up mic night that you could at oh, some yeah. point, right? To practice? Could yeah. You, like um, how did that, like what was the motivation to do that? And like what, did you notice the result being positive or negative? How did that go for you? Um, it's funny because that, so in 20, I think it was either 2015 or 2016, um, I had like this backlog of these songs that I've written and nothing to do like I just like I was like I need to do something with this or or nothing this is also um I think a year after I had just dropped out of um design school mm. so 
And within that year of like, so I had the year of design school, dropped out, but also creating music within that year. And then a year after where I was just creating music and just trying to like figure out what I need, like what I wanted to do with my life and like, what am I going to do now that I dropped out of school? Um, like I need to do something. And so I was like, I actually need to start sharing my music. So I was like, also like, there's many ways you can share your music. Like I could have, I could have like done the whole YouTube route and share my songs online, but I don't know. I feel like I, I remember I've, I've always been scared of sharing my music online because more scared than sharing it to a crowd of people staring at you. Yeah, my brain works weird. <laughs> like, there. like right. I feel like with online, the fact that because you're behind a wall, um, people's comments and whatnot. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's gonna be a little more brutal than what people would say to your face. Yeah. So, and a lot of the time, for no real reason. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the first YouTube videos. I ever posted the one and only comment I got was to kill myself I know what? that was the first one that is so mean and rude and it's like so... why do you even need to take the time to put that energy out in yeah the world? I know it's re it's really weird but like I don't know the internet just having like the facelessness of it I, I don't know people really attach like they they really like I don't know to to bully people online that way it's, yeah it's really it weird. is an unfortunate reality of the internet it yeah and it's a it's funny because like it happens so often but also like the internet is there's some there's just the big duality to it but um kind of like people <laughs> exactly um but i decided that i was gonna go to an open mic because um this is now the second year that I've lived in Vancouver. I, at this point, haven't really, like, I haven't really kind of, like, explored the city myself, if that makes sense. Like, I haven't really got out into the city. I don't think I've made many friends, if at all any, at this point. Vancouver when... is a hard place to exactly. make friends in. It was very, like, it's always hard in Vancouver to make friends, but... Um, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go to this open mic and see what happens. So, um, I go to this open mic with my god sister and I don't, I didn't bring my guitar. I just went to this open mic to watch just to like, see what, like feel the water, like test the water. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I did not. Cause I didn't play. Okay. I didn't play. I just went there to watch and I was like. I just I just kind of wanted to see like if I could do it like if mm -hmm. this is something that I could actually do it's like I I think basically I was going to see if I was good enough to okay. to to play an open mic. And so the week after that I went back and I went back alone and then I played this open mic and it was the first open mic I ever played. And this guy, after I played, it went well. It went really well. And this guy, um, his name's Jeff. I don't remember his last name. But <laughs> Jeff, he was the first person. He's like, wow, you're really good. 
you need to play more. And I was like, oh, wow, thank you. And he's like, no, you're really good. You need to play more. I'm going to put you in touch with somebody else. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so he puts me in touch with, um, oh, I can't remember her name. But she ran this series called Indie Van City um, where they do like um, pop-up open mic shows around different venues. Okay. And then he's like, you're going to, you need to play at one of these. So then he put me in touch with her. And then from my first open mic, I played like, I think the month after I played like my first real show at studio, studio bar on Granville or something like that, or studio something. And everything just kind of snowballed from there. And then, like, because, like, this was also just my first open mic and I hadn't performed much on stage, I, like, forced myself to go to open mics every week. And I would do... No small feat for an introvert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, I really pushed myself because, like, the stage fright that I had was, like, it was really bad. I can imagine. I, like... With that entrepreneurship thing in university, I had to do a bunch of presentations in front of big crowds of people, oh like gosh. 200 people kind of thing. And like I put myself through it kind of on purpose because I wanted to get better at public speaking, mm-hmm. but I it made me so nervous. It Yeah, it was it was it's funny. I think that's like where I like and to this day, I still get stage fright, um, but uh, my stage fright kind of shows itself different um, differently than most I get like n- nervous right after I play. So, Interesting. yeah, I'll play like right before I play, like all the symptoms of nerves I get, but I get it as soon as I like, as soon as I finish that last song, that's when all the symptoms hit me. So I'll start like shaking and like. It seems more efficient than it's, before. <laughs> it's so much more like, and I think because I think I trained myself to do that with these open mics. Like, I like knowing you're up next Mm -hmm. and like knowing where you like all that kind of it was training for for my stage fright to manifest after I play, which is really, (laughs) really convenient for me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I like every week without fail for like two years, I would go to um, the trees open mic on Granville and I would play. And and then there was, like, other open mics that came up. There was um, an open mic at Cardam's Donuts on Main Street. Cardam's was open mics? Yeah. <laughs> well, they did. They did. Um, oh, I miss those open mics. They were the greatest. And um, those were every two weeks. So I would do, like, once a week. And then some weeks I would do twice a week. Just practicing, performing. Wow. Right. Yeah. Let that be inspiration for any of you who are scared <laughs> to share your music or your art. Yeah, just go out there. And it's so funny because, like, I get annoyed when people are like, just do it. Right? Just do it. But also, like, I'm literally... the Shia LaBeouf flex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do it! Just do it! Um, I'm literally, like, the poster child for, like, just going out and doing it. <laughs> and, like... I'm the biggest introvert. Hear that, Nike? You got a sponsor right here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then I just went to open mics, played shows, and then, yeah, now now I 
I make music. I play music all the time now. And you are soon going to be Nike's new poster child and, for yeah, musical. Yeah, Nike, um, sponsor me. They're definitely going to get into music <laughs> athletic wear. Oh, my God. Whatever mus- that is. Yeah, whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> I'll have to design it, I guess. And, yeah, <laughs> pants that allow Mick Jagger to do the splits on stage. Oh, yeah, there you go. But still be kind of leathery. <laughs> yeah, so like pleather, yeah, but, like, but like not pleather. Like, but spandex leather. Yeah. Spleather? I think we're on to something. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I think we're going to wrap it up today. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show. This was a super fun conversation. Um, (laughs) Would you like to give a shout out to anyone or yourself, or where can people find you and your music? Um, You can find me on Instagram at silentsaint.j. And. yeah, my music is Silent Saint uh, J on all the streaming platforms. And yeah, I guess check out my album that I have out. It's called Alexa Thymia. And yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> and now we're going to get to hear some of her songs. Stay tuned. <laughs> If you've made it this far, I hope you're ready to feel something. Grab some tissue, get comfy, take a deep breath, and open your ears. Silent St. J is going to help you embrace those feelings you've been holding in with a brand new untitled track. Thank you. 
I love 